Hello, welcome back to He's Abroad. My name is Jason. I am in Brooklyn, New York, a cold Brooklyn, New York. And I am joined by John, who is abroad in New Zealand. How's it going, and, John? And it has the hiccups for some reason, which it's haven't stopped. So. Uh-oh. Do you get the but hiccups I'm doing all right. Yeah. Hiccups are annoying. Just because they annoying. They, there's really no rhyme or reason why they show up. I'm not a scientist. I never cared to look it up, but it's why they showed up. And I, no matter how many, everybody's got a way of curing hiccups. None of them work. Well, the way that I have curing, of curing hiccups, which I learned from my from my dad, is put paper towel over a cup and drink through it. What? <laughs> I've never heard that before in my life. Put, what the put hell? a piece of paper towel over a cup uh-huh. and drink through it. Drink through the paper towel. Drink the water through the paper towel. So you're drinking. You're also drinking a little bit of paper at that point too. <laughs> Yeah, you're drinking through the paper, but it's, I don't know, it worked, and I don't have any paper towel by me, so I'm going to just power this through. Hopefully, that's the, that's the only hiccup that you hear through the microphone is the one that you just heard. That's the, that's the second one. That's the other one. Well, we'll see. We'll find out. Um, professionals. Yeah, it is, uh, yeah, professionals. Exactly. Always, always professional. It is very cold here. The heat is not on in my apartment, and I don't know why. So I woke up very cold. I've been very cold up until this point. I'm actually wearing a scarf right now. A scarf. Yeah, I know. I don't. I don't even wear the scarf outside, but I have one for very cold scenarios, and it's on. So I'm wearing a robe. I'm wearing a scarf, and I'm wearing slippers. When I lived and, in New uh, York, cozy, right? When I lived on the Upper East Side, the apartment I lived in, from let's say all, from November until about April, they always had the heat on, right? So you had like one of those old school big metal radiators that was right. In every That's what I have. Apartment. Uh-huh. And you don't control that, right? Do you actually control that in your apartment? I control the – so there's a heat pipe, and then that's connected to the radiator, and you control how much heat goes into the radiator. So when the heat is on, by default, you will feel something, right? At least in that corner of the room or in the case of the bathroom, it'll be as hot as they want it to be. Uh, but you can control how much heat is coming through that radiator. But what I'm talking about right now is the heat pipes are just not running. There is no heat coming through those pipes every room is freezing <laughs> well yeah the place that i lived in right they would turn that thing up to like i would say the equivalent of like 90 degrees like yeah, I, I i'm pretty sure that you could probably slow cook something on there mm-hmm. on that thing and so i used to keep my window open in the winter yeah there's a lot of people that do that but i'm gonna yeah it's a it's a pretty rough state right now uh, it's very cold i have very high uh cold tolerance but this is one of those scenarios where, yeah, I don't, I, I should not be subjected to this. This also feels illegal that well, they look, would not have the heat going. And I had, uh, I had lunch delivered earlier, open up my door, heat's running in the middle of the building, but it's just not running out the pipes in my, in my apartment. To rub it in, Go February it. is by far the best month in New Zealand. The weather's uh-huh. been here beautiful for at least the last like 20 days. It's just sunny, it's warm. It's shorts and t- it's beautiful. So if you, you ever said, plan, you said on, it was if, hot. You said it was hot yesterday. That's it was hot yesterday. Gin, yeah, it was hot. I was sweating. It was real hot. Yeah, um, I hate that. I'd give me this. I can throw yeah, on a robe again, and a scarf, but, but and I'm that, good. But that happens like that happens like once. It happens like the shortest month of the year is when you get hot at all. Otherwise, mm-hmm. it's pretty windy and cold. You've been here. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah, but I was there when it was nice. Yeah. But just saying, if you're planning a trip to come to New Zealand and you haven't been before, just come in February. 
January is pretty good. That's when I was It's okay. There. It's okay. You might get a little rain right. in January, but February is solid and solid across the country. Like the entire country has good weather right now. So, which isn't very big, but it's big enough. All right, fair enough. I don't have a story about this, but uh, what's the what's the what's the situation on uh, coronavirus in uh, New Zealand? Is it coming uh, over there? Or are you guys pretty safe for now? They're quarantining people. Cool. So there's a guy that I that we work with, not we, quarantine. I, as in we, Uh-oh. the royal we, Uh-oh. that was in quarantine for a while, but he's out and he's working again. It's um, good. No so cost. Yeah, if you're coming from Asia, New Zealand has started to quarantine people, and I think they even blocked some flights for a couple of days. Yeah, um, but apparently it's the China says that there's less and less cases, which take that for what you will. Um, but yeah, <laughs> people in New Zealand, they don't have a clue. New- yeah, there's a lot of Asian people in New Zealand, so there's just the general white people being scared of anything that isn't white. Racist, but for the most yeah. part, it's fine. Yeah. All right. Cool. I don't. I don't know if there's anybody here in New York with it, but there was. Uh, there are a couple of pranksters going around. Trying to make light of it, I think. I, of course, there are. I saw a headline of it where there was like two people riding on the subway in hazmat suits, holding a like some sort of case that said coronavirus, and they just dropped it. <laughs> so you know, good good for them. You know, have have a little fun, live your life. You know, you're young, you're dumb, you like you like a good giggle. Yeah, fair enough. So, I have a brief update before we get into uh, the news. Or some news that I found that is worth talking about, sort of. Um, update from Greg, listener of the show. So you remember that um, last week I read um, his wife's Arlen thought on uh, on snakes and yes. and reptiles as pets. So so Greg sent me a note after listening to the last episode where I read that, and he said. Show notes, there will be no goddamn snakes. <laughs> and, and I, and that I just That sounds like something uh, we shouldn't get in the middle of. <laughs> yeah, but how, but how great would it be if this was the, <laughs> if this was the medium where they communicated what their preference of pets is? Of pets are. Well, Greg's and a they just cat had guy, this, though, right? Greg's, they've, they've, he, well, they both, they've been a cat for a while. I think they're just animal people, you know? Enough, they like yeah. their animals. They like their cats. I'm sure if they, they had a dog, they'd like the dog. And if they had some lizards or iguanas or some bullshit, then they'd like that too. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I guess I don't count. Iguanas to me seem a bit more tangible than snakes. Like, I feel like iguanas, you can see some emotion. Like, do you see sna- yeah. Do you see emotion? I I'm, guess I'm asking this question. Do you see emotion on a snake? Like, can you see it in its face that it's, like, happy or sad or... You know, like most animals, most mammals, really, you can see some type of emoting of how they currently feel, even if we're wrong about what that feeling is, right? Like when a dog's got its tongue out, it's not happy, it's thirsty. Is that right? <laughs> so, yeah, apparently that's... But when the tail is wagging... When the tail's wagging, everything's good. They're happy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, like, you can see emotion through... Again, but do you see emotion through snakes? Like, the only thing I know is, I guess, if you have a rattlesnake and it's rattling, it's not happy, right? That's the noise if it's about to strike. Yeah, I mean, if... Look, I, I don't think I have much in common with the snake. But if I did, right, if I was to have some empathy, I would say that a snake is at its happiest when its jaw is unhinged and it is ready to swallow that mouse hole. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and it is, it is ready for a snack. You know, that's when but I'm at my happiest. So that's when a snake is probably just as happy. But I feel like iguanas would have more of a face that you could sort of relate to. You probably iguanas have that uh, have like that beard. 
Yeah, iguanas seem cool to me. That seems like a cool pet, to be honest. Oh, you've, you've come around on this. No, no, j- just on iguanas. Like the other lizards, okay. they're not like salamanders. Like it's like what? They just got little slimy little faces. And I, don't, I don't dislike them. They're just like iguanas to me have a bit more of like a recognizable facial structure. All right, so here we go. This is generally. This is, I'm reading from the. This seems like somebody's blog. Oh, no, it's not. It's the Veterinary Medicine and Biomedical Sciences at Texas A&M University. So this was from August in 2011. It's called Reptile Emotions. Second paragraph. Generally, reptiles do demonstrate basic emotions, according to Dr. Sharman Hops, clinical assistant professor at the Texas A&M College of Veterinary whatever. First name Sharman, like like the toilet paper. Uh, yeah, S H A R M A N. Okay, close. Spelled different, but, I guess, right? Okay, yeah. Yeah. yeah, close enough. Huh. Yeah, I'd go by Dr. Hops if I was that person, and then you could have some fun beer jokes. The main two, the main two emotions that they demonstrate are fear and aggression, but they may also <laughs> demonstrate pleasure when stroked or when offered food. Okay, sure. Like like most All people. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, I, was, I was halfway there. A uh, a snake. There we go. Quote. A snake that is feeling aggressive may warn you with a hiss, and quote, states Dr. Hops, quote, this can occur when you are forcing your attention on the snake, and if you persist, they may strike out. Typically, snakes hiss or coil when they are feeling hostile, but most pet snakes are not aggressive animals unless threatened, end quote. It says something about iguanas here. That's why it showed up. Here we go. Some reptiles do appear to enjoy human contact, adds Dr. Hops, especially when food is offered. Many will respond to feeding times, coming to certain people they associate with food. And most, and certainly most iguanas prefer certain people over others, end quote. Iguanas have individual personalities that can vary from tranquil and laid back to aggressive and dominating. The latter can be very difficult to live with and care for. The more calm iguanas, however, tend to bond with their person, but may only endure handling by the individual. It is the rare iguana who is social with strangers. Yeah, I mean, if you think just the premise of being handled by strangers. Yeah, like when you put it that uh, way. Why, why would anybody be comfortable with that? Yeah, but iguanas are just cool looking. They look like cool little dinosaurs. It's a cool looking pet. All right, go ahead. Go get yourself some iguanas then, you know? No, you're not, I'm you're good, not the, but they, but they you're look You're not cool. on the internet. You're not on social media. You might as well fill it up with uh, with reptile friends. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> fill, the, fill the void. <laughs> Be like, hey, like my post. <laughs> <Iguana>. <laughs> All right, well, on to the news. John, still off the internet, sort of. He's, he's not looking at news, not looking at social media. So he's not going to know. Because I still about. need the internet to live like everybody else. I got to pay my bills. I got to do work, etc. So he's not going to know what's happening in the world. Yeah, I really don't have any clue of what's going on. I, I'm trying to think today of the last thing I heard, and I don't even, I don't even remember the so, planet. Yeah, or even the universe. Do 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 do. I don't know what that was. All right, so I, I was, uh, yeah, I kind of bailed halfway through that. So three stories for you choices you got something old we got uh going back something uh, related to ancient rome okay. we got something uh we got uh something about extraterrestrial life and we got something about some asteroids okay Where do you want to start let's go is the asteroids present day stuff oh it's all present day stuff okay well then, let's start with the Romans. Let's start. The let's start in history. Let's start with the Romans. 
All right, so this is one that I found. This is trending on Reddit before I got before we uh, started recording, and this is from Archaeology World. That's just archaeology-world.com. So here we go. Construction workers stumble up, stumble across old pots with one thousand three hundred pounds of ancient Roman coins inside. It's nice, cool. Yeah. Building companies discovered a building companies discovered a hoard of bronze Roman coins concealed in jugs in Tamaris, Spain during this during this week. Nineteen pottery jugs were discovered in the Zaudin Park when the workers did dig ditches. The urns were packed with coins showing an emperor on one side and various depictions of Roman stories in the back on on the back reported the Spanish newspaper El Pais. P-A-I-S. How would you say that? El Pais? El Pais? Yeah. All right, that was kind of close. I'm going to send you this link if you uh, if you are willing to click it because sure. uh, there's some cool pictures on uh, what they actually found. According to the Archeo- Archaeological Museum of Seville, right? Am I saying that right? Uh, sure. S-E-V-I-L-L-E. Seville? Seville. Seville. Seville? I guess I, I guess I read yeah. it in a French way. Yep. Where the where the treasure was carried, the coins weighed more than one thousand three hundred pounds, date back to the third and fourth centuries. So then they go through the pictures here. Anna Navarro Ortega, who who heads the museum, said that ten of the jugs broke during the dig. Goddamn clumsy people <laughs> disrespecting history. That's all it takes. All right, you got something that that's old, been preserved, and then you just get a couple of these bros being like, "Hey, keep digging." Crunch, crunch, crunch. Quote, I can assure you that the jugs cannot be lifted by one person because of their weight and the quantity of the coins inside. End quote, she said. Quote, so now that we have to do, so now what we have to do is begin to understand the historical and archaeological context of this discovery. End quote. Why so many coins will be hidden in jugs raises interesting questions for archaeologists and historians. Investigators floated the hypothesis that the money was set aside to pay imperial taxes or army levies, reported El Pais. The jugs, the jugs appeared deliberately concealed underground, covered by a few bricks and ceremonial, ceramic fillers, according to the Andalusian Department of Culture. Somebody had some money. Yeah. The whole idea of this is kind of cool, though. You wonder, it kind of makes you think about if every, like, what do you want to call it? Like thousand years or so, there's like more shit buried underground and things keep changing. Like the whole geography of the world keeps changing. Like more layers of stuff gets, will constantly be buried under things. Like how long will it take for uh, everything around us to be buried under, uh, under a layer of dirt for some construction worker in a thousand years to dig up one of your old computers or to dig up like a playstation 4 <laughs> yeah be like wow what is this what is this uh ancient video machine yeah well there wouldn't you because you figure everything would be different you would basically have a complete shift in you'd have to have like a revolutionary shift in technology that is interesting though to look at as well which is what will like, can we dig up anything? Do you think there's um? I guess we are also at a point already where things are incompatible with technology from like twenty or thirty years ago. Like straight up, cannot be used. Barely that. Right. I mean, like um, you, like you need. For example, this is this is a very, this this is kind of extreme, but not really. Where you, 
the original Nintendo, right? That hooked up through a coaxial cable. There's no yeah. ki- There's not many coaxial cables on, on TVs, TVs anymore. Yeah. Huh, the I light gun. The light gun. One because of regular terrestrial cable, right? Yeah, they're kind of going away though. Huh. The because usually it goes through a cable box and there's and there's an output. Right. But the light gun, for example, on PS2. I mean, on PS1, there's also one PS2 as well. That relied on CRT TVs. They don't work anymore. Yeah, if you want to play, the flashing of the screen that allowed for right. you to to like shoot like Duck Hunt. That's how Duck Hunt works, basically. Exactly. So you yeah. can't play Duck Hunt now unless you dig up technology from like at at least 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. Well, you can't play Duck be Hunt as it was originally intended, but we have new technology that actually makes playing Duck Hunt probably more accurate. Like you could play it yeah, with but, the Wii controller of moving it around and actually knowing on the screen of where you're pointing. That's to. not as fun. That's not as fun. That I mean, takes away the fun you. to know where you're going to shoot. I mean, not to you. That's but, not as fun for anybody. Well, says you. <laughs> you're not the arbiter of fun. How dare you? Yeah. You know what? I am. I'm, I'm declaring myself the arbiter of fun. All right. Go ahead. Ask me. What's fun? What's not? I'll tell you. So, I mean, it's real interesting because I don't know if whether or not you'll have great breakthroughs like this as long as the internet stays up. The only way that you'll have great breakthroughs like this is if the internet dis- – because, again, right, the stuff we find that's amazing is stuff that isn't cataloged, stuff that doesn't have images taken of it, right? Because now anything that was basically from the archive from, let's say, after the 50s, because I would say that most of that data was stored and kept – you know, basically anything after World War II, I would say you could probably find a lot of information on, on the internet. You can probably find a lot of things that have been taken pictures of or cataloged. I mean – Help, yeah, recorded history, recorded, recorded history, history so right? Anything yeah. after, I would say anything before World War II is kind of up in the air because a lot of stuff was destroyed during World War II. Um, a lot of stuff in, like, in the Middle East, right? Like I think the best chance you'll have of finding stuff that would be maybe modern day would be in those types of countries where they're not cataloging stuff. But as far as in the U.S., like modern Western history, I don't think you'll get breakthroughs like this a thousand years from now because it's all going to be cataloged on the Internet. And the Internet, you know, at this point, you could probably store the Internet, you know, fairly easily where it's backed up enough times that you can transfer this around thousands and thousands of years of history. If you have better protocols, data gets smaller, Internet speeds get faster, storage gets bigger. I don't think that you'll have these types of breakthroughs anymore, which is what makes it cool. Now, what if there was... I guess the only thing that would really make that possible would be like a cataclysmic event that would yes, basically sure. disconnect people. Like if you disconnect people and then they slow, like over time, they just kind of forget. Like you could tell people about it and all that. But then as you come back, as as generations go on, it's just like, oh, okay, well now all this stuff is gone. But that would take one cataclysmic event and then it would take many generations of not restoring that and just continuing on in kind of this secluded state yeah well because i I would say that like physically people are having less and less stuff right like i get i'm i'm number enemy number one on this i'm not sentimental to any physical thing that i have in my life like physical item like physical thing that i bought there's nothing that i look around and go oh that's a family like I, i think people are starting to lose that connection to the things that they have that's why people are so willing to sort of marie Kondo all their stuff because people, we buy stuff, but it's not like, oh, I worked, you know, like it maybe was in the 50s where you buy this thing and you hold on to it for the next 40 years, right? Like nothing that we own, I would say, is going to last longer than 10 years, whether it's it doesn't get updated anymore, the cable changes, so you can't find, you know, the regular, the bigger USB-C cables. Now it's all the micro cables, so this doesn't really work anymore. 
So it's like that's the type of stuff that I think will, and then people just get rid of it. You just get, or the comp- companies tell you, hey, so don't use that anymore. We stopped updating it. You got to buy the new one. I mean, Apple is the number one enemy of this, right? Hey, so yeah, if you want to, if you want to use the newest OS, you got to buy a new laptop. We're not going to update this one anymore. Apple is not the biggest offender of that. Who is the biggest I'd- offender of that? Google and Android is the uh, biggest offender of that. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, they they take these things to a whole nother level because if you want to talk about updating OS, they, they're they not updating the Pixel 1 anymore. That phone is three years old. Meanwhile, the update Apple's still updating the iPhone 6S or at least the iPhone 7. And that's like a four, that's like five, six-year-old phone. So Apple's actually really good about updating their hardware. Now, whether or not it's truly optimized for it, TBD, but at least they're making the effort to support those old devices. Fair enough. Um, whereas Google, because of their, you know, because of, because of how fragmented the operating system is, like it's very common in that ecosystem to be like, well, you know, this thing's over two years old, so that's it. You got to buy a new one. And that's not terrible for someone like, you or I who are, you know, who are cool with and can afford a new phone every two years. I mean, hell, I get a phone every year because I'm an idiot. Yeah, but <laughs> um, yeah, but that's just because I like the new shiny thing. And in that case, you know, it doesn't really affect me. But for other people, it's just like, why is my phone running so slow after four years? Well, one, that's a long time. But two, it's all up to the company and their their mercy. Like Google, I mean, Apple, uh, people lost their minds when they switched from their chunky proprietary charging cable to their to lightning proprietary charging cable right right but and everybody's like this is bullshit what about all those cables i had what about all those cables i have there's always going to be those people and then a year later they're everywhere and nobody cares well it's like headphone jacks right yeah and i i'm still mad about that one yeah but again like i think you'll look in 20 years and maybe you'll find a device with a headphone jack and that's the type of fine maybe but Apple will dictate hardware trends more so than they dictate software trends. Yes, I, I think agree. that's fair to say because nobody follows the Apple model of updating software to the extent that they do in supporting legacy devices. But when it comes to hardware, they will jump at that option to get rid of the headphone jack or like, God, I'm trying to think of another example, like every like trying to make a laptop look like a MacBook. Well, just laptops uh, in general, yeah. right? Like laptops, finding a laptop that has more than one USB connection to it is very rare. Like Apple started that trend by removing all the ports on your laptop. And most thin laptops don't come with a bunch of ports. I'm looking at my my Yoga 940 now, and it's got more ports than I would say most people would expect. It's got two USB-C ports and a USB-A port and a yep. headphone jack. And that already, I would be like, that's more than probably a lot of laptops have that are the current thin models where most MacBooks just have one. Yeah. <laughs> just have one connection yeah. port that you connect everything through. Well, not the Pro. No, no. They did that with the new MacBooks, but now they have, and there's at least two USB-Cs on each MacBook Pro. Okay. And I think there's actually four on yeah, most MacBook Yeah, I was Pros. talking about like the thinnest version of a oh, MacBook. Oh, yeah. The, when they first, when they yeah. first released something with a USB-C port, like, yeah, it does everything. It charges. It does anything you want. Like, yeah. And then you need 100 dongles. There was a... A headphone jack on that laptop though they have yet to make a laptop without a headphone jack but they did but the iphone pro the pro i mean the ipad pro again that's supposed to be a pro thing they got a usb-c in there great they got rid of the headphone jack why yeah why there's no excuse to not have a headphone jack on something that big yeah i mean uh, look but, to, to bring to bring this back to this though like th- how, when does the next time you think you're gonna find a stash of coins 
from the modern <laughs> era. Right? When's the last time you physically used cash? Uh, I have to use cash when I go to the laundromat and when I pay my cleaning lady. That's and it. Again, I, Otherwise, I, would say that's, I oh, that and, alone is already probably and, again, living in New York. I think I use more cash than anywhere else I've lived as an adult. Yeah. Most importantly, I need to use cash for the uh, street meat vendors. Yeah. Again, New York, I really believe is one of the only places. I mean, any giant city where people are probably Tokyo. Like, are you really kidding, like, dude? Japan. Yeah. They they wanted cash all over the place there. Yeah. So, so I, mean, I was amazed city, how little like, giant cities because a lot of this is people not paying taxes. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. No, no, no. Don't give me the credit card machine. This is easier. <laughs> give me the but cash. But I didn't I didn't I don't think I used any cash in like South Korea. I didn't use cash in um Singapore. I mean, we were only there for like less than a day. I'd argue that New Zealand is a cashless society. I'd make that that's argument. Great. That's a dream. You can't even you can't even pay for parking now with coins. It's yeah. all on an app. Well, they're trying to get rid of the penny. There's uh they've been trying to do that for a while. Yeah, I think one of the who are they talking about? What candidate was talking about that? I think it was Andrew Yang during one of his town halls, who's not running for, uh, he's not running anymore. He dropped out. out. But he he was making a case for the penny. It's a pretty simple case. All you need to say is it costs more to make the penny than it does to spend than, the penny. Than one cent. It <laughs> one makes cent. more, it, it it costs more than one cent to make every one cent coin. So what are you doing? Yeah. Like just, just round, round in either direction. No one's going to notice. I mean, no that's what, New Zealand doesn't have pennies. I think they used to have pennies, but it's all pretty much the equivalent of a dime of a 10 cent coin, which actually looks like a penny here and up. Oh, bring, bring on the digital future. And to your point about sentimentalism, you're 100% right, because just look at the trend of any sort of media. Any sort of ownership of media has changed from physical to digital once yep. people understand the convenience of it. Look at it first happened with music. Um, I can't think of an earlier example than that where it was cassettes. Then, well, I'd say probably records, then cassettes, then CDs, then MP3, and that was a wrap. Like you had dedicated MP3 players, now you don't have those because everything's on your phone. Everything yep. is in one device. Yep. And, and, and I would now, say it's not even MP3s on your phone, you just stream it. <laughs> you don't even know yeah, and music. You just stream exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, and that's kind of what I was getting at where yeah. you don't even have the storage for it, it's just being streamed. And, records are more of a novelty like records make more than cds now i think yep. i read that yeah because it's more uh, of a it's more of a look at me i've got this old thing that i that arguably has better quality and yep. it's more of a talking piece more of a hipster talking piece and it is actual a functional thing that you're buying like right no one's buying and I, you know a lot of people have started telling me that cds don't even really work anymore if you've had a cd for a really long time and it's not been stored properly it's probably gone through so many sort of weather changes in different environments that it probably won't even really work anymore. It'll probably Thanks. skip. It's probably warped warped a bit just over time, right? No one thought about a CD lasting 100 years. Yeah, but there's that. Then you go to movies, right? Same deal. Netflix, streaming yeah. everything. Uh, I mean, you do have those. If you want the highest fidelity possible, you'll go to a HD Blu-ray player. But most people are good enough with... 4k hdr streaming on any other platform i was about to say as the internet like it's, gets it's faster eventually you can stream whatever quality that you can that your bandwidth will allow only the truest like video files or audio files will actually notice the difference right who are between willing to streaming spend, and, you know a ton of money on not only the audio but the video and the type of player those are people who are willing to spend yeah. thousands of thousands of dollars because they want to yeah and god bless them but that's not where most people are going. And now games where digital sales are starting to overtake physical sales. And it's just inevitable where you're going to have less stuff. It's really, 
there should be an uh, environmental case for this. Like this is. Well, I think the biggest. This has got to be a me, good thing at the end of the day. The, the biggest one for me is books. Books is by mm. far the biggest example of this. As far as that's something that used to take up a lot of space in people's homes, right? Like if you really enjoyed reading, right? Like you'd buy a book and you'd have a bookshelf. You'd have like a yep. giant wall. I mean, people built giant. If you had money, and every single time you go to you watch a movie where there's a rich old guy, right? He's got a library with a ladder. Yeah, that goes uh, up and down all these books, slides around, right? That slides around and does ride. all this. Yep. Yep. If there's anything that's reduced that, because not only is it, it's sort of like the the weight to actual data ratio between the two, right? Like I can yeah. say, like a CD, you can put a book of CDs and carry around a thousand movies, right? You can't carry around a thousand books, right? After uh-huh. about three or four books, have you have you ever had to move with a bunch of books? It sucks. It will immediately once you have to move your house and you own a bunch of books, it will immediately make you question why do you own these books. <laughs> because it's by far the heaviest thing you have to move because you put about 20 books in a box and that thing's like a ton of bricks. So, but again, think about how small that data is when you put it into an ebook compared this, to the weight the of the actual thing. Data. It is. It is yeah, there's nothing. A Kindle nothing can hold how many books? It's an insane amount compared to like, hey, my Nintendo can hold this many games on a 64 gigabyte card versus, hey, you can hold how many books? If you had a 64 gigabyte card, you can hold pretty much of entire libraries <laughs> of books. Yeah. So like yeah. that to me is the one thing that I don't think you'll find a thousand years from now. Like you'll find these coins where if someone's digging up something, sure, you'll have some books, but it won't be like, are you going to find a Kindle? And then be like, oh, well, the cable changed, so I can't even turn this thing on. So, like, that's really what gets – because you'll find ancient texts and stuff all the time, especially for places where languages start to get lost. As well, here's the – that's – now you're yeah. getting – so what is the – do you have concern that we are kind of walking along an edge here where we are now creating content that could theoretically be lost forever? Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely, and no way to actually recover it, yeah. because it's not. Like a that happens with games thing. already. Like games are, you know, that is an that is an art form. I would argue, it is. Uh, some certainly more artistic than others, but overall, it is it is always it is an expression. And there are there are games that just straight up don't exist because they relied on the internet connection. Yeah, so you cannot play them. Yeah, look, I, I, I think it's a shame because it makes media very disposable. It makes history, like things that are such, yeah. that have such an impact on people become very disposable and they become extremely replaceable, which is why people don't have such a, you know, an emotional attachment to things the way that they used to. Because sure, like I remember growing up, people used to buy one video game and play that thing to death, know it in and out and be able to play it now, right? They could oh, put yeah, it in the cartridge yeah. and play it now. Like you said, that's not... That might not be pop. I mean, same thing with books, right? If there's if there's digital media restrictions on this, a publisher can pull all their books from Amazon, and you might have bought the Amazon book, but now it's not accessible anymore. If you didn't download it at that time, they go, "Sorry, you can't download it." The publishers right, pull the rights to download this. Yeah, and if it's digital only, that file just needs to be deleted, and then all of a sudden it's gone forever. It's gone. It's gone forever. So there's plenty of things like that, which is why finding things like these coins in the middle of Spain is super cool. Because I, I have a feeling like you, I, I don't think you're going to find stuff like this a thousand years from now. I think the world has changed. And as we're trying to be more um, conscious of the environment, we'll produce less paper, we'll produce less waste, hopefully, over the next thousand years. And more of this stuff will be digital, is that you won't have as many digital devices. Right now, right, you had to buy a laptop, a desktop, a phone. It's getting to the point where this next generation is buying like a phone. 
and they do everything on a phone. They don't even own laptops yeah. anymore. So I yeah. think our waste will become less, but That's with that see. comes less, you know, a thousand years from now, someone digs something up, you're not going to find as much data. You might find a device that's this black screen that looks like everyone else's black screen from that time, but the data yeah. itself on it, you won't be able to recover it. The information no. about the family history and who lived here and, you know, generationally, what was this money used for? Because that's the interesting thing, like in this article, as you explained it. I guess they're going to start trying to figure out like what was the story behind these coins? Was this a bank? Was this taxes yeah, they don't paid know. for the, they, they don't know cuz it's so far away from Rome really. Its location, the Roman Empire was huge. But location-wise, that's not Rome. <laughs> right? It's not like, oh yeah, we were just down the street in Rome, we found this. This is Spain somewhere. Yeah, Tamara's Spain? I don't know where that is. Let's see. Let's look at the old map. So, it just like it's the story of like, hey, why was this? Why do these people in Spain hide these Roman coins? And it sort of takes you down. I mean, that's that's why being an archaeologist still seems interesting until you get to the point where you're like, well, there's not many opportunities like this to find. Like, if you're an archaeologist, this has to make you extremely excited because you, how many chances do you get to do something like this? It's not many. Oh, yeah. Let's see here. I'm telling you how far it is from, uh, oh. No, that can't be right. Close to Spain, <laughs> or close to close, no, close to Rome. <laughs> for some reason, oh no, that's what's happening here. Oh, there we go. Got it. It's telling me, right? It's telling me I got to go to uh, like take a train. All I wanted to know was like how far it where was. The, where like, the map? Oh, I. Yeah, I just want to. Yeah, it's uh, it's far. Is the answer? It's like a twenty four yeah. hour drive. Yeah. Twenty four hour drive went by road. And back back then, that was what a week. Oh, at least. At least. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, you'd probably take a boat. Still, you take a boat because it's close to the water. Fast back then, you probably had to row the boat yourself. Well, you know, you go into the Mediterranean, get nice, some nice views. <laughs> you go past Ibiza, you party a little bit. You get you get <laughs> you, you uh, listen to some EDM. You, you get some drugs. Allegedly, these are these are the things you could do back then. And you know, and if you had those coins, you could make it happen. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Next up, you got, so what did I say? Extraterrestrial life Yep. or the other thing I said, <laughs> an asteroid, asteroids. Let's do asteroid and then move on to extraterrestrial life. Cool. It's fast. I had an opening for a transition when I talked about a cataclysmic event. And guess what? We almost had one. We almost had one about nine hours ago from oh. the time of this recording. Reading from IGN. With a very clickbaity article title. IGN, by the way. So I got problems, and this is going to be a greater <laughs> criticism of IGN as well, but we'll start here. Um, NASA spots potentially hazardous, that's in quotes, asteroid rapidly approaching Earth. Uh, that's the headline, the subtitle, but don't fear, it'll likely miss. <laughs> the tags, Armageddon, Deep Impact. This is how they tie it back to IGN, I guess. So anyway, this was written two days prior on February 13th. So NASA has confirmed that an asteroid larger than the tallest man-made structure in the world is currently traveling towards earth at a speed of almost 34,000 miles per hour. Thankfully, it'll likely miss us by a few million miles. According to international business times, NASA's center for near earth object studies identified that the potentially hazardous asteroid could come close to intersecting with our planet's path on February 15th, 2020, at 6.05 a.m. Eastern Time. Quote, 
Potentially hazardous asteroids, PHAs, are currently defined based on parameters that measure the asteroid's potential to make threatening close approaches to Earth. End quote, NASA said in a statement. The colossal space rock, which is expected to pass over our planet from a distance of around 3.6 million miles, is estimated to have a diameter around 3,250 feet, making it large enough to potentially trigger, quote, trigger a nuclear winter and mass extinction event, end quote, should it collide with Earth. And if you think that is the end of the article, you are wrong because IGN likes to end it with this. For decades, films have dealt with the subject of potentially dangerous asteroid collisions. In fact, mankind was nearly destroyed by a giant space rock, not once, but twice in the 90s with Mimi Letters, with Mimi Letters, Deep Impact, and Michael Bay's Armageddon. Both which of these both which of these apocalyptic flicks has stood the test of time? Check out our Armageddon versus Deep Impact <laughs> comparison feature to find out. Or alternatively, check out, take a look at our list of top 10 best disaster movies ever made. That's the now, end of the article. I remember when IGN used to be like the go-to place for game news. What happened? Yep. That? I don't know. When it was N64.com? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. Well, I mean, I guess they had to keep up with the, with the times because they are still like probably the highest trafficked game website, but they need to keep up. I mean, in terms in getting eyeballs and new clicks. So they cover media. They, they cover, uh, you know, they mostly cover movies and games. They also have like some anime stuff as well. A lot of TV coverage as well. Basically any nerd culture, so to speak, that's where IGN makes their mark. But this was ridiculous. I, I, this showed up in my newsfeed as an IGN article earlier in the week. And I was like, okay. And then I clicked on it. Like, do I need to be worried? And then I looked, no, and then they ended it with that. I said, oh, Jesus, this See, this is a big stretch. And this is why I'm off the internet, because I didn't hear anything about that. And consequently, it didn't mean anything, right? So I went on about my life. Yeah. So what if it did? What if... Um, I wouldn't have known anyways. It would have been a nuclear... Someone winter. would tell you that, happen. right? Yes. Hey, someone an asteroid's coming. You. The Earth is ending in nine hours. I mean, you would have wake me. you up. The asteroid's going to hit. Yeah, you would have told <laughs> Yeah, me. that's true. And then how would you spend yeah. your last nine hours on Earth? What would you be doing? Well, it wouldn't have been nine hours. I would have known two days ago. Okay. Well, I, it would have hit nine hours it, it missed. It would have hit nine hours ago. Yeah. yeah. So what, what have you done the last two days of your time if they said, hey, look, this is definitely happening. We've done the math. This thing is going to wipe out our planet. It's it. Get your loved ones together and let's all do something for the last two days of the Earth. Yeah, I, I'd try not to get murdered, probably. that, Or maybe I would go do, and try to get murdered. do some murderers? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe. I don't really have an enemies list. There's no one. I don't, I don't hate anybody. But, but so why that, would you, I, why I, would I wouldn't you, be why doing do you immediately murdering? turn to evil when everyone's going to die anyways? You wouldn't just bury No, no, I'm saying other. That's what I'm saying. I would try to avoid being murdered because I feel like there would be chaos. You don't think everyone would just be like happy? Just be like, hey, look, it's ending. Like chaos in a good Fuck way. Fuck no. You don't Fuck think no. so? You think there'll be no. riots in the streets? Yes, people are monsters. They're gonna. They're. I don't have any vengeance. There's nobody who I really, who I, who I dislike and would want to exact revenge on. But I am probably in the minority. <laughs> Somebody's yeah, like, well, there's no consequence for any of this. I don't have to worry about the cops. I don't know why I'm going in this direction, but yeah, I feel like it would be like direction? the purge. I'm so confused. I don't know. I just think that's. Because I think we're all going to die. You don't think people would look back and go, you know what? This stuff's all silly. We're all going to die anyway. Yeah, I can kill this dude. He's going to die tomorrow too. 
Why, why would you waste your time hunting down some guy that's going to die tomorrow? Because we're really stupid. And, that's, See, and, I think, and they want that immediate satisfaction. Because all I was thinking news, was... Too much no, information. Because this is what I, I was think thinking. Extremely what, cynical. Hardened and cynical. I was thinking, I think the I'm going to... I'm going to go see my my best friends, my loved ones, you know, my family, all that stuff. I'll do that. And then the next thought I had was, how am I going to get there? And then I was like, oh, there's going to be chaos. You know, that's that's why I went there. That's how my brain works. It's weird. I got wow. a weird brain. Yeah, I don't I don't believe that. I really do believe that people would try and find Kum- family and loved ones Kumbaya. And, they would, and they would just sort of bury the hatchet i feel like the mass majority of people sure there's going to be always a few knuckleheads but i do believe that the vast majority of people will sort of lay down their differences and saying hey look this is it why why are we going to spend the last two days on earth trying to fight with everybody i think that everything would sort of become extremely peaceful people would be very giving people would sort of put all their stuff all their material possessions into one thing and just hey we're all going to live this life you shouldn't have to go hungry the last two days. What about the second coming Jesus people? Well, that's different because they believe <laughs> that they believe that they're going to be reborn or that they're coming to be saved. So, right. yeah, I mean, what are they going to do? They're going to so what do they, what do they do? And I guess I guess they're going to go find their church and sit there and pray and be praying for their salvation, I guess. But it's like Jesus is not coming. If and if he is, he's coming in the form of this big ass asteroid. <laughs> <laughs> What are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, I, I'd like to think better of people. But you know what? You're probably right. But I'd like to think that people wouldn't immediately go to the street and rape and pillage and burn things down. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't I don't want that to happen. But, you know, I live in a rough city, man. I live in New York, you know? I'm hard. Well, at least in New Zealand, I think it would be it'd be quite peaceful. I think people in New Zealand would be having a party. So Yeah, it would be, it would be pretty chill over there i'd imagine and hey it might be cool here you know you might get a lot of phone calls uh you know people being like hey i'm sorry about that thing but you also might get a knock on that door (laughs) just like hey remember that thing he'd be like oh boy do you think cnn (laughs) will do their biggest panel ever (laughs) oh (laughs) yeah they they treat it like rocking new year's eve (laughs) and have anderson cooper at the top of a mountain looking at the asteroid as it comes in counting down with kathy griffin because you know they would have forgiven her by now too you would hope. I bet they wouldn't. Some be like, oh, man, why do you got to be so not woke about this coverage about the end of the world? Can't believe you got Kathy Griffin on. God, she's so, after that thing she did with Trump's head. Like, All right, whatever. Yeah, I, I, I would hope Chris Cuomo would be on that panel. I need everybody. I need, I, yeah, I need like the all-star panel, the CNN biggest, The biggest panel. panel ever, yeah. To bring us home at the top of the, yeah, at some, at the top of some mountain hoping the best with uh, Morgan Freeman. And I bet you you'll get some great tweets from Trump about it's a hoax, fake me- fake media, fake news. So you'll get that crowd that just doesn't believe it. Little asteroid going to yeah. do no damage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, do you think that, that, that people would actually try and that there's a group of people that would actually try and stop this? Or do you think people would just let it happen? Like, how do we blow this up? Who are these people? You mean like an Armageddon situation? Yes, exactly. Like, do you think that that task force would exist if scientists said, look, we got two days? There's yeah, they'd probably be like, "What can we do?" And then they'd realize nothing, and then they'd go home probably because two days is not a lot of time. Like, no. what would you do? Me? If you had no, I'm saying like in oh. general, what could you do if you even if you had all the money in the world, all the people in the world, what could they do? Yeah, I don't know. Like build I mean, a barrier or something. Again, I don't know. Like <laughs> build a wall. <laughs> like I've seen, I've seen. 
firsthand how, you know, yeah, like you could, no, but build a wall for what? That's not going to work. It's there's some bad like hombres on this, on this asteroid. <laughs> you got to build a wall. It's not going to work. from coming you, in. You, we're toast. That's the end. Now, there is enough, like, they, they observe enough stuff in the sky where they would be able to see this coming further on. Sure. If so that's what I'm saying. Would you try to deploy something to break it up? Probably. I'd assume that if they had enough time, they would probably, yeah, I mean, you could probably shoot a nuke at it and see what happens. Like, if we're going to die anyway. <laughs> <laughs> just see what happens. I, I, like, I like that approach. Just see what happens. <laughs> hey, uh, Lil' Kim, sorry about all that stuff, uh, North Korea. You know, you keep doing what you want if we survive this thing. But while we're at it, can you just, like, shoot all your missiles at this and see yeah, what happens? Like, I got the perfect test for you, rocket-wise. We won't p- punish you if you do this. Shoot all your rockets yeah. straight up into the sky. <laughs> Like all of them, all of them. You know what? That would be a pretty good way to deplete their uh, their arsenal. Everyone shoot all their all their arms into the sky at once and see what happens. Yeah, just see what happens. <laughs> wow. Well, look, that's good. I'm glad that Might we work. didn't get crushed. I'm glad while while I was sleeping, this didn't happen. Yeah, it just went right over your head, and you had no idea. Wonderful. Or maybe like it was, most or maybe it was underneath your feet. Nobody really knows how space works, and because of that. We'll move on to the last one, which I can be pretty quick about, but it is a long article, which I didn't read at all, but the general premise of it is this. <laughs> Astronomers to sweep entire sky for signs of extraterrestrial life. Project is collaboration between privately funded firm in New Mexico Observatory. Astronomers will sweep the entire sky. Oh, reading from The Guardian. Astronomers will sweep the entire sky for signs of extraterrestrial life for the first time using 28 giant radio telescopes in an unprecedented hunt for alien civilizations. The project is a collaboration between the privately funded SETI Institute and the Very Large Array. That's literally what it's called. That's capital V-L-A. Very Large Array Observatory in New Mexico, one of the world's most powerful radio observatories. Gaining real-time access to all the data gathered by VLA is considered a major coup for scientists hunting extraterrestrial life forms and in, in and an indication that the field has, quote, gone mainstream, end quote. Normal astronomy operations will continue at the VLA, which was featured in the 1997 film Contact. <laughs> but under the new arrangement, all data will be duplicated and fed through a dedicated supercomputer that will search for beeps, squawks, or other signatures of distant technology. Quote, The VLA is being used for an all-sky survey, and we kind of go along for the rides. End quote, said Andrew Simeon, director of the Berkeley SETI Center. Quote, It allows us in parallel, it allows us to in parallel conduct a SETI survey, determining whether we are alone in the universe as technology capable as technologically capable life is among the most compelling question in science, and our telescopes can play a major role in it in answering it, said Tony Beasley, director of the National Radio Astronomy Observatory, which runs the VLA. You get it. They're looking for they're looking for aliens. If they found something, do you think they'd tell us? No. Absolutely not. Well, Sort of. If they found, like, bacteria. Like the coronavirus in space. All right, let me put it this way. They said if they're looking for things that go, they're looking for beeps, squawks, or other signatures of distinctive. If they actually heard a beep or a squawk, no, they wouldn't tell us. But if they saw, like, oh, we found, like, some interesting moving life form thing. We found this space worm. Yeah, or, like, the bugs from Red Planet. (laughs) <laughs> that was creepy as shit. Yeah, that movie sucked, but it was Val Kilmer and 
some other lady. And there's like a bunch of people killing each other on the on the on Mars for to bring back some bugs back to Earth. Carrie Ann Moss is in that too. I don't know why I know this, but anyway, like if they found stuff like that, they might they might tell us because they're bugs. You know, it's not going to freak anybody out. If you found something talking back to you, they'd keep it secret for a little while. But th- those be the guys you want to know when that asteroid's coming towards you. Be like, hey, you wanna you wanna take some of us with you? Yeah, I bet you that the asteroid does more than beep or squawk. <laughs> yeah, but the other thing is, if you think about if you think about how far those things are that they're seeing, the way light years work. Yeah, but technically, like anything you're be dead. It would either be dead or hell. Even if you had, let's say it was two light years away, right? You'd send them a message. Two years later, they'd get it. Then they'd send you a response two years later. So it takes four years to actually get a response to whatever it was you asked, depending on how you send that message. Don't now, there could be faster ways of... they send messages out to space now, though, already? Don't they already send messages out there? Yeah. Like, why wouldn't you just blindly... If you really want to be found, or you... Re- I guess we don't want to be found. I guess we just want to find another life form. Because otherwise, you would just constantly broadcast a message into space... And see who could respond to it. Well, right? What are they responding to? I'm sh- and if they to did again, squawk. yeah, we might. And who's to say we're now. not already doing that? Yeah, that's true. Who's to say that people aren't that? If people, if there are actual life forms that would pick that up, they they would eventually, right? Like how I don't know if a radio wave deteriorates through space, but if you're sending a radio wave and there's data through it, it would eventually just keep going, right? Look, my hot take is that there's no other life out there. We're it. There's nothing else. This this is it. Wow. Yeah. That, that, a hot take. I disagree. Yeah. That's my hot take. We're, we're the only ones here. This is it. We just Jesus. happen to hit the We've perfect God, God petri made us. dish. Happen to hit the perfect petri dish of things that form this planet in this situation that have, that can build usable life over millions of years. We got lucky, people. Billions, billions. Sorry, billions. Yeah, I, mean, I just picked a big wanted... number. I just picked a big number. <laughs> well, you didn't go big enough. Billion. That's they... a long time. Billions of years is a long time to get to where. Yeah, of an you can of an you infinitely know, send pictures over the internet. <laughs> yeah, of an infinitely expanding universe. You think that we are the only life in it? Yes. Well, I I strongly disagree. I. I don't think that we've been visited by the, by intelligent life. I'm not in the UFO camp. Um, one of my favorite questions to ask somebody is if they believe in aliens and then hearing their response. Because if you meet somebody who does believe in aliens and thinks they've been abducted, they will happily tell you if you ask them that question. <laughs> and it, yeah, that's I why it's a good question. I just don't believe you it. Can, it's taken d- billions of years for us to become more than the primitive monkeys we, we are, and we're still primitive monkeys. Right. So think about how long it's taken us just to get to the point where we can send out, where we can listen to space. It took billions right. of years. So even if there is life out there, it's not going to be able to communicate. Like intelligent life? No. Heck no. Definitely not intelligent life. Now, are there some space worms or some space bacteria? Sure, why not? Space but whales. I, yeah, but I just don't believe that there's any sort of intelligent life that can communicate with us out there. It just doesn't exist. Hasn't been enough. Well, time. I don't, okay, well, now, now you're drawing rules that I didn't necessarily say. Oh, like, I don't, I I don't know if anybody's going to communicate with us, but they're, 
for sure there has to be another sure, there's, sure, there's rock bacteria out with, there. with people with with no, some sort of life form communicating with each other. No, I didn't I say refuse. people. I don't. I, I I backtracked. I said some form of life form communicating. Well, what do you consider communicating? Like noises or like the or way like bees dogs communicate, communicate like to each other? They dogs can bark at each other and talk to each other and sniff each other's asses. You don't think there's a bunch of space dogs on some random planet that we haven't discovered yet just sniffing each other's asses out there? No, I bet that I exists. I don't believe that. Again, the motion or whatever or whatever kind of, of holes. And, and anatomy they have they're, they're doing some it type of species that doesn't have a vertebrae that doesn't have any sort of intelligent mind like worms can communicate with each other too so yeah sure if you want to consider communication at like the most basic form of animal gotta or start insect, somewhere communication gotta start somewhere fine. but trust me they're not yeah. responding to your beeps or squawks that's for sure no but they might <laughs> if there is truly an infinite universe then there has to be that possibility that something can at least once Again, right? It goes back to that. It's like the monkey with a typewriter. Yeah, and I guess. Infinite possibilities. It's like, it's like machine learning. You can teach a machine a, th- a million times to do something. Eventually, it'll probably get it right. Exactly. So, all right. That's it. Those are the stories. Moving on. Got, a, got some bit of an assortment to choose from for a little bit of our politi- political segment. Reddish, bluish, blackish, Jewish. So your choices, we'll just do one of these. I don't have anything about the, well, maybe I do. We'll see. One is more like a general conversation. So the first up, first option, um, post-Brexit, post-Brexit blues, we'll call it. I don't know how real this is or not. Next up, the other Cuomo, not Chris, Governor Cuomo. He's in the news. And, uh, and why uh, black people don't seem to like Pete. You know what? what? You I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go something different. I want to. I want to hear about Brexit. I want to hear about a different country's news. Okay. Fair. Well, wait. Oh yeah. I guess the other one was uh, New York State. Yeah. Fair enough. All right. Here we go. So this is from the Independent. Again, this is a story where just from the headline. Brexiteer complains he has to wait in queue at EU airport. Quote: This oh. isn't the Brexit I voted for. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, this showed up in, uh, I think this is also on the Reddit as well, and I found, so independent.co.uk. A Brexiteer who was forced to wait in an imagination, in an image, Jesus. An imagine. <laughs> Let me start that over. Let me take a sip of water. I'm going to start over. <laughs> mm. Yeah, we're back. A Brexiteer who was forced to, I'll tell you what's good about it being so cold, is that my water is always cold. <laughs> and I do like a nice cold drink. A Brexiteer who was forced to wait in an immigration queue at the EU airport in Amsterdam has complained that, quote, this isn't the Brexit I voted for, end quote. Colin Browning, who described himself as one of the 17.4 million people who voted for Brexit, said he was forced to wait for nearly an hour at Amsterdam airport Schiphol, 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 before his passport was checked, quote, Absolutely disgusting service at Shiphold Airport. 55 minutes we have been stood. We have been stood in the immigration queue. This isn't the Brexit I voted for. And quote he wrote on Twitter. When another user commented that Mr. Browning's post saying he, quote, got what he voted for, and quote, the Brexit supporter replied, quote, I didn't vote to stand in a queue for over an hour. <laughs> Why so- why some job worth checks our passports. I spend more time at immigration than I did in the air getting to my destination. End quote. 
Although some commentators have suggested that the Twitter post may have been a parody, the account was constantly sh- the account has constantly shared posts about Brexit and other issues in recent months, which do not appear to be satirical. Mr. Browning has approached has been approached for their comment on his experience at the airport. So we, you could start there. What do you think? <laughs> well, again, like as much as British people want to pretend that they're not Americans, they're they're just like Americans. This is the same thing would happen of like, oh yeah, you closed the border and now I can't do this. Wow, you made this so difficult. This isn't what I voted for when you built the wall and closed the border. It's the same thing. Like, yeah, Brexit made it harder for not only for people to come into the UK, it made it harder for you to leave the UK too. It works both ways. So a good part of a good part of Brexit was just sort of this real xenophobic fear of all these immigrants from Eastern Europe and Africa are invading the UK. And it's because of the being part of the EU. If we're not part of the EU, we can control our border better. We don't have to be dictated. We're the strongest part of the EU. We don't have to be dictated by all these other little countries that need us. They need us more than we need them. So cool. You get out of the EU, you do all this stuff, but now if you want to go enjoy the rest of what the EU gave you, you don't get that anymore. Yeah. And, and so that's yeah, it would basically is. be like wait, if someone yeah. to get your passport checked. Yeah, because you're going into another country and there's not like a kind of agreed upon thing. Like, I guess that's why when I went from, when I flew from Barcelona to Lithuania, and I just walked off the plane through this small hut of an airport and then was outside without talking to anybody. It was very strange. And I was like, do, do they know I'm here? Do they care I'm here? And it's it's all part of the EU, right? Like yes. that's because it's the EU that I could just go through that exit. Yeah, because if you're checked they know in one country, you're kind of checking yeah. the rest of them. Right. So that would mean anybody from Barcelona could basically just fly to... Lithuania, I don't know why you would. It's fine. It's lovely. Nice people. Well, but, look, a big um, part of people traveling through, and a good, re- a good reason why people, why Europeans, young Europeans, do so much traveling is because that whole agreement made it very easy for you to be from any of those countries and then just travel around to them. You didn't have to check passports. You just got on a train. Got on a train and went city to city to city to city, and it could explore all of them. That's why many people take European vacations because once you kind of got into one, it made it very easy to travel around to the rest of them. But with Britain exiting out of this thing, it makes it very difficult to do that if you start in the UK. It, being in the UK is like being in the US at this point. You fly to a different country, you got to stand in immigration, you got to talk to somebody, you got to tell them why you're there. It's not like it used to be where you can just sort of waltz into these other countries. Yeah. Everybody's got issue with open borders and all these other things. But let's say open borders. But nobody wants to stand in line for an airport. Yeah, exactly. I mean, all you need to do is go at the cross the bridge into Canada from Buffalo. I try to cross that rainbow bridge or peace bridge and be like, why is this line so long? Why is there so much traffic? Why does it suck? It's the same thing. You're going from one country to another. And and I can understand the case of wanting to keep track of people and of who's going in and out of your country. And that's fine. But, you know, you got to play by their rules at that point. And well, you you, you asked for this. Britain asked for this. So I get no sympathy for them because they got to make trade deals with each and every one of these countries. So it might. Well, they they are officially out, though. Yeah, they're officially out, but I think they've got a bit of a stay before, like they've got time to make the deals with each individual country of how their trade agreement's going to work, right? Like, how does our trade work with France? How does it work with the Netherlands? How does it work with all the other countries that are in the EU, right? So now it's up to the UK to make a deal with Germany 
just like America does, right? America has deals with each one of these countries as far as trade and people living there and, you know, how you get things to and from. Like, all of that stuff is the U.S. government has agreement with each and every country. Some countries are easier, right? Like, if you're part of the Commonwealth, it's easier because the Commonwealth countries all sort of have a similar agreement. Where it's like, okay, if you're in Canada or you're in New Zealand or you're in Australia, it's all still kind of underneath the Commonwealth of Great Britain. So the rules are maybe a little easier to deal with than if it's Lithuania, for example. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. Hmm. So, yeah. Well, so, anyways, uh, look, I got no sympathy for the British people that voted for Brexit. None. It's the same It's the same people with people who voted for Trump. Got no sympathy for you. It's kind of one and the same. You guys were extremely xenophobic of, hey, we're Great Britain. We need to return Great Britain to what it was. And it's like, all right, so what it was was very hard to deal with. You're on an island. So enjoy more expensive things. <laughs> yeah. It does raise another weird question, though, when it comes to reporting. That story was just basically about this one guy's tweet. Yep. Welcome to the like, news guy of tweeted 2020. Yep. The, I mean, or so-and-so's Instagram account. Yeah, or something's been trending. It's like, okay, 10,000 people use this hashtag. That's not that many people. It's enough to write not an article on, though. <laughs> oh, yeah, 100%. People write an article. Yeah, nobody's writing about us. we got to say some controversial shit, you know? Really uh, really light a fire. No, the only thing that would do talking. is get us fired from our jobs. Like that woman who had her white supremacy podcast and was a teacher. You remember that story from last year? Or a yeah, freedom years of ago? speech. Yeah. <laughs> freedom of speech. Yeah. Let them talk about it. She should be allowed to say what she thinks. She's not saying it in school. She's allowed to say what she thinks. She's not allowed to keep her job because of what she said, though. <laughs> I did see a story where, um, I, but it was like way too long. Again, I don't know what exactly was happening, but it was like some woman yelled at a uh, kid who, some kids didn't stand up for the Pledge of Allegiance, and she said, go back to where you came from. <laughs> and those kids are like from like down the street. <laughs> yeah, they were like some, uh, yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah, I, I live here. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Media yes, therapy. The good stuff. And uh, let's, let's start with a question. All right. You wanted to talk about Adam Sandler, right? I did. So I want to know, who's older, Adam Sandler <laughs> or Paul Giamatti? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> oh, wow, that's really funny because I don't, is Adam Sandler 50 yet? <laughs> that alone would be shocking to me to think that that dude is in his 50s, but he has to be. He's got to be older than Paul Giamatti. So your final answer? He's older, yes. All right. You are correct. Adam Sandler is older than Paul Giamatti. Don't give me the age. Do you want to guess by how many years, though? By like two. Two or three. One year. He's one year older. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So there you go. What a great game. I thought Paul Giamatti also (laughs) showed up in that movie as well. Which one? Oh, in uh, Uncut in, uh, Gems? Uncut Gems. Yeah, I thought I saw him. <laughs> I, oh, you, you know, I thought I saw him when she... Ta- have you seen the movie? No, I'm never, I'm never going to see that movie. Really? Why not? It just it looks like Anxiety the movie. It's just not something I it's really want It's New York watch. the movie, which doesn't yeah, give you enough that. anxiety. Why? You live it. No, I'm cool. I'm like walking around with... I'm cool. That's, that's how I start. I'm, I'm like just <laughs> chilling. I'm like walking down with my headphones. You know, I'm not I'm not placing any risky bets causing like people to come after me. And I don't need that in my life. I don't Look, need to follow this guy who might be murdered at any point in this movie. That's not my jam. First of all, you know what? You know, before when Adam Sandler came out and said, if he's not nominated for an Oscar, he's going to make the worst movie ever made. <laughs> right? Like you said that. And everyone yeah. laughs and jokes. And then you watch the movie, and I was sitting there watching this going, he's absolutely right. 
he got robbed. That dude deserved to be at least nominated for an Oscar for his performance in this movie. So, yeah. first of all, the, I, I the Oscars I don't give a fuck, man. They, they there are injustices every year. Just it look is. at Aquaman. And and I think this specifically though, like he did like it was it was spot that movie was the most chaotic thing I've ever watched. But it also felt like no, this feels like exactly what this would be to be a Jewish jeweler in New York. <laughs> is what it feels like. That's exactly what it felt like. And from the first thing that this movie, it's nonstop people talking over each other, people yelling at each other. It was great. It's just great as far as setting up what does your life in New York look like. It's not this sex in the city, you know, or friends type of BS where you're in this giant apartment. It's not that. This is a dude who's made a lot of money, but he's also a scumbag. And he's got he's owes a bunch of people money. Again, the whole story was great. I loved that movie. That was probably the second best thing I watched this year or last year. Movie that came out last year, other than Parasite. It was great. I don't think um he was it wasn't nominated for anything, was it? Nothing. That, that it's movie. a shame. It really is a shame. I thought that was criminal. Like, come on, man. He had to be nominated for something. It was great. It yeah. was it's the best thing I've ever seen him in by far. I was reading an article saying it was more like a political thing, like because he not politics in the sense of you know red blue politics but more like he's never been a serious actor so as like his first serious acting role which isn't exactly true but they said basically yeah, between nonsense. him and the safety brothers like if he does another role like this then for sure he'll be nominated. It's garbage it's garbage it's but then garbage. but he just signed a deal to do like two or I want to say four movies with Netflix, but I could be wrong. It, but he's signed a deal to do some movies with Netflix, and I'm like, ooh, one of those could be the that, one that's he, he the that worst before, movie ever. Though. His deal before was all the no, movies he made a new he, one. Oh, he made so he's got another one now. Yeah, because he had the movie with Jennifer Aniston. He he had a bunch of movies on Netflix that he sort of just pushed out, and people kind of didn't watch. I guess unless you're a giant Adam Sandler fan, you're not watching these movies. Yeah, he's extends deals. Yeah, extends deal with Netflix. We'll make four more movies for the streamers. One of those is going to be the worst movie he's ever made. <laughs> Cannot wait. Yeah, that's what I'm excited about. So yeah. look, I watched that movie. I loved it. I loved every minute of it. And sure, because I'm a sports fan, like fine. I enjoyed that part of it as well. But yeah, that movie was really good. I think you should watch it. Like I think it's worth watching. Um, it's very. It was very interesting to watch. It was very hectic. It made me very uneasy as I watched it, but I also enjoyed it. I it reminded me of why I liked New York and why I left <laughs> all in the same time. <laughs> Make it sound like everybody's a sleazy dude. Whatever you described his most life of you as. are. Most of you are. Wow. Deep down I'm inside, not... you're a bunch of scumbags. <laughs> Whoa, hey man, I'm not a scumbag. I like to think of myself as a nice guy. Deep down inside, your city is a full of monsters because that's what it makes you be. You have to be. Again, I, I was probably the the hardest in my life, meanest, and the most sort of stern in my life when I lived in New York. By far, that city makes you into something else. No, it makes you into something else. Made you into something else. What do you mean, made me into something else? Hey, man, I'm I'm doing pretty good. I'm 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 a nice guy. I'm very jovial. I I talk to people when I travel, and they're like, "Oh, we we always thought people from New York were, were like really mean." <laughs> so you know, I'm trying to break some stereotypes. If that's the case, yeah. They also made a joke about about goons coming from Bay Ridge, which I laughed at. <laughs> Did they? Yeah, I can yeah. see that. That's probably true. <laughs> yeah. I'm surrounded by those people. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. I don't know if. It, do I need to see that in theaters, or is that a movie I can wait? No, you can watch it at home. I watch it at home. Because it's on okay. Netflix. It's on Netflix. Uh, well, New Zealand Netflix. I think they might have been the distributor uh, for that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. In New Zealand, it's on Netflix. So it's great. I watched it. I immensely enjoyed it. I wish I would have watched it earlier. Um, the, the, the girl who plays his girlfriend is going to become a giant star soon. 
That's her first movie she's ever acted in, and she's gorgeous, and she is going to be in a million movies after this. Because <laughs> that's how it works. <laughs> so good for her. Good for everyone involved, except for Adam Sandler not being nominated. Again, he should have been nominated over the other people that got nominated. He should have been. He Again, whether he won over Joaquin Phoenix or not, Joaquin, Joaquin, however you say his name, who knows? Joaquin, Joaquin. Fine, whatever. Um <laughs> Which you can talk about that dude as well. His Oscar speech was amazing. <laughs> but yeah. like did, I did not watch it. He talked about something with milk, right? Yeah, because he's a giant vegan. He's a giant activist. So he talked about, oh, you know, torturing cows and taking their milk. I mean, if you look at the guy, you could kind of assume what he's going to talk about. Yeah, of course. Like, before he's he little talks. Nutty. He's a little nutty. So look, I mean, you called it on the podcast last week. I, I sure didn't did. want to believe that they would actually do the right thing, which is give a movie that was the best movie. They had, the to, get, they had to get their uh, they had to get their woke cred. They got it. Yeah. Um, so sorta, sorta. For me, any yeah. other snubs or anything that you uh, that you took away where you were like, what the hell? Um, let me look at the list real quick to see what I can read. I mean, it's always the visual effects winner is always interesting to me because it's always it's either space or war. If you make it's a 1917 one, though, right? Yes, I mean, either space or war. If you make a movie about space, you're fine. If you make a movie about war, you're fine. Um, no, nothing that really stood out to me other than sort of Brad Pitt winning just because it's like it's time bad Brad Pitt wins an award. We like him now. He's older. Um, we can give him an award for something. But yeah, there's nothing S- I look at. Scarlett like, Johansson, 0 for 2. Yeah, but again, they, that's another one of those of like, do it again. <laughs> do <laughs> it again. rude. It is rude. Super rude. You invite her for two wars and she doesn't win anything. Um, yeah, yeah, there was well, nothing. There's nothing on this list that made me uh, that made me go, "Oh, that's a shame." That's not the way that it should have been. Um, Star Wars got nothing. Joker only won two awards, right? Which is what it does. Music. It barely it barely deserved those two awards. Music was the uh, second one. Yeah. Again, what I think about the anim- single- animated feature. Did you see? Did you see all of these animated movies? Toy Story Four, Klaus, Missing Link, How to Train Your Dragon. I'd I don't say, know what I lost I, my body is. I didn't see any of them. Didn't really? Watch a single one. Didn't watch a single See, Toy one. Story 4 was good. Toy Story 4 was good. Look at that. Hiccups at the end of the podcast coming back. <laughs> Still going. I, I did, speaking of awards, um, there was the Dice Awards happened, which are a video game award show that, um, that just happened. And they're usually looked at as pretty prestigious. The most interesting thing I want to talk about is that they awarded the, so the Game of the Year nominated. Let me look at this. Dice Awards 2020. So Game of the Year the nominees were Control, Death Stranding, Disco Elysium, Outer Worlds, and Untitled Goose Game. I hope the Goose Game won. It did. Yeah, it should have won. That's arguable. <laughs> it should have won. That did you play it? Great. I sure did. That game was awesome. Did you play the others? No. This was such a weird year of games, and I, I've... I mean, I played a ton of games this year, but I mean, I play a ton of games every year, but the, um, and I played Untitled Goose Game. I couldn't finish it. I played for maybe an hour, hour and a half or so. And I was like, I get it. It's cool. It's charming. It's, it's clever, but it, it didn't, I didn't want to keep playing it, which was interesting. Like I respect everything it does. And I think it's a very well created game. But when that one game of the year, I was like, hmm. That is a fascinating, fascinating choice. Shout out to small developers, and specifically because these guys are in Australia. So shout oh, out right. to them they too. Are in so yeah, like, yeah. But I, I, I thought, what was surprising is like Disco Elysium. Like it's, it's not even a matter of 
one indie title being among the group because the other indie title here was Disco Elysium, which is apparently amazing. It's a um, it's an RPG, um, which is apparently very like has a lot of um, socialist politics, which is interesting. We don't vote but for socialism. That's true. I, I suppose so. They won. They actually won the Game Awards, like Jeff Keighley's televised big Game Awards show that happens. That's a pretty looking at game. The end of the year. Disco Elysium, yeah, it's yeah. apparently it's apparently great. Um, personally, I think Control was probably my favorite game of the year. Um, it was just the the world building, the the gameplay was just so much fun. Technically, the game was gorgeous, but definitely uh, too much too much prowess for the hardware that it's on for consoles. Sure, like it chugged on everything, but on PC, it's apparently like the best looking game. Full stop. Apparently, um, like leverages ray tracing and all these things better than anything else. Death Stranding, I I thought was a fascinating game. Um, really liked it. Stuck with me for a while. Story was interesting. It was typical Hideo Kojima nonsense, weirdness, over exposition, um, using characters and melodrama with, and then all of a sudden, oh, here's some weird, um, questionable camera angles on some female characters. But overall, the game was very interesting and cool and innovative for what it did. But yeah, Untitled Goose Game, I just don't really. I don't. I didn't really get it. So it was just who else, very. Who, very who weird. else won some of the awards? Because there's got to be other categories, right? Yeah, sure. So going on. For... So outstanding achievement in animation went to Luigi's Mansion Three. Okay, I haven't played it. Outstanding, sure. outstanding achievement in art direction went to Control. Outstanding achievement in character winner. This was another weird one. The tit- The nominations were Control for their main character Jesse Faden. Two nominees for Death Stranding, Cliff Unger, who was played by Mads Mikkelsen, and Sam Porter Bridges, who was played by, um, God, what's that guy's name from The Walking Dead? Uh, I don't know why I'm blanking on his name right now. Norman Reedus. Norman Reedus. Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order for uh, the character Grease, who was like the pilot in that. I loved that game, too. And uh, the last one was Untitled Goose Game for the Goose. I love it. I love it. That's great. And I hope And you know who won? It did. The it goose did. Of course it did. Because why? Come on, man. Like, how how can you hate that game? How, how can you be this? I didn't hate it. Like I said, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a hater. I don't hate it. It's just not for me. You know, like there's, and I, I was just very surprised. I'm like, I get it. It's good. And most people I hear talking about it, you're actually probably the first one I talked to, which is like, loved it. It was great. Loved it. Did you finish that game? No, I don't finish any game. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, but that game's like, to. that game's like three hours. Yeah, but I don't even finish. I mean, the last game I finished was was Fire Emblem. Fire Emblem is sixty hours. It took me a long time. <laughs> you, no, that's how long the game is, and you loved Goose so much you couldn't finish a three-hour game. See, that's yeah. that's kind of a problem. Is it? I yeah, a little bit. Problem. Look, I don't, I'm not. And again, look. I don't really want to. I know I'm coming down on it. I don't want to trash it because I I did I do legitimately like love the concept. I liked playing playing it. Maybe it was the mindset. Maybe it was just like I really wanted to start Final. Fa- uh, sorry, Dragon Quest Eleven, which I did after playing that for an hour and a half. I was like, all right, I got to start this game, and I did, and I loved. So and I played so that here's, one. Here's here's why the Goose Game. Here's why the Goose Game won. Right, Alice played one game this year. It was that. Yeah. Only game I've ever seen her play. She and she obviously didn't like it enough to play through it. She didn't like any game enough to play through it. But she played yeah, but that. Was that. Three she hours. played that. She played that on her own. Huh? Like right. I didn't have to like boot it up. Played it. Weird. So there you go. Well, if you want, if you want to hear some other, uh, sure, some other, uh, read, read some, some other, other winners other here. Yep. 
Outstanding Achievement in Original Music Composition winner, Control. By the way, the reason this is important, this is probably the most like, these are pretty prestigious because these are like, you know, the industry awards, right? Like this is very insider. Were these stuff. always called the Dice Awards? Yeah. Well, so the I Outstanding Achievement. about right. this. So music, composition, control. I could see that, I suppose. Um, achievement in audio design winner. That was Death Stranding. Well-deserved. Uh, outstanding achievement in story winner, Disco Elysium. Uh, technical achievement winning, Death Stranding. Probably should have went to control, but I could make a case for Death Stranding. It was very pretty, especially the characters. Um, action game of the year, control. Makes sense. Adventure game of the year, Star Wars, Jedi Fallen Order. And if you haven't played that and you have any interest in Star Wars, I do highly recommend it. Family Game of the Year, Super Mario Maker 2. Fighting Game of the Year, Mortal Kombat 11. They're still making Mortal Kombat. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and actually, oddly enough, Mortal Kombat probably has the best story mode of any fighting game. Like they, uh, So NetherRealm has really like kind of made a name for themselves for their uh, single-player fighting games that they do because they're like they tell these really ridiculous over-the-top stories but they do a decent job of telling them they i'd say that probably started around it was mortal kombat 10 or injustice that game with uh the dc characters beating the shit out of each other in the mortal kombat engine isn't uh isn't nether realm basically midway midway's gone midway hasn't existed for almost a decade now (laughs) But yes, NetherRealm is was Midway, was Mortal part Kombat of Midway was because Midway. Mortal Kombat, yeah, yeah. But uh, WB picked them up, okay. so now that's their uh, that's their studio. Uh, Racing Game of the Year. This is probably the most controversial choice. The nominees were, yeah, Racing Game. The nominees were the goose. Crash Team, <laughs> yeah, the Goose won. Crash Team Racing Nitro Fueled, Dirt Rally Two, F One Twenty Nineteen. Mario Kart Tour and Trials Rising. And the winner was Mario Kart Tour, which, if you don't know what that is, is the mobile Mario Kart game. It's um, not great. <laughs> it's not great. It looks good, but it is like they didn't even have multiplayer. Like, there's no multiplayer, online multiplayer for that game. For a racing game to not have multiplayer is insane. And the controls were horrendous for a racing game. You should download that game after this. Give it a shot, and you could see what I'm Again, talking about. Again, you do this thing where you tell something's awful, and then you tell me to play it. You do this all the time. You, oh, this tastes disgusting. You want to try it? No, I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I'm saying. Do did, that. Did Fire Emblem win anything? Because it should have. Um, I think so. Yeah, I'm getting there. Okay, role-playing game of the year. The Outer Worlds. Fine. Didn't finish it, but I enjoyed what I played. Game of the year winner. Sorry, sports game of the year. FIFA twenty. People <laughs> I mean, who didn't, are people the didn't other? Too happy about that. Can I guess the other nomination? The, the other nomination. Yeah. Right. It's <laughs> yeah, basically from each it. sport. Right. So there's MLB yeah. the show. Yep. There's NBA two K. Yep. There's the EA NHL game and there's Madden. Yep. Right. Those yeah, had to you, be the. Four. You got. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And yeah. FIFA, I mean, again, that's and the, the same, winner. Yeah, you got them all. It's probably the same one this year. Well, here's the fun part. Um, I don't know if they had a racing category or not, but Crash Tag Team Racing won the sports category for the Game Awards, <laughs> which, is, which is kind of fun. All right, here we go. God, strategy, God, simulation, awful. St- strategy, simulation game of the year, Fire Emblem Three Houses. 
Um, oh, they have some VR awards too. So immersive reality, technical achievement winning winner. That was Blood and Truth. That was on PSVR. And then this was great that this got an award. Immersive reality game of the year, Pistol Whip, which is awesome. It's such a cool VR game. Okay. Highly, highly, highly recommend it. It's like if um, it's like a cross between a John Wick and a and like a and Beat Saber. It's really dope. Cool. It's cool. Um, and yeah, an outstanding achievement for an independent game went to Untitled Goose Game. Yes, I love portable it. game of the year. Sayonara Wild Hearts also well deserved. I don't know that game. I hear kind of. I, I played it on tablet. I love that game. Love, love, love it. Love it. Loved it. Love it on uh, Switch. Tried it on iPad, and the controls were not doing it for me with touch. Best with the controller, but I do recommend it. Need headphones. Online game of the year, Apex Legends. This is another great award. Outstanding achievement in game design winner. I could not agree with this more. Baba is you. I agree. Yeah. Yep. Like I've never, I, I've never been more impressed by mechanics in a game than that. It was. It blew me away. Um. Achievement in Game Direction winner, Control. And that's it. Those are all the awards for DICE. Nice. I'm yeah. very happy about the Goose Game winning stuff. I'm still in... I, I'm happy it won stuff. I'm just... it Game of the year, man. I Creative creative game design and creative ideas need to be recognized, period. I 100% agree no with you. no big studio is making a game about a goose. You're no right. One. You're right. Um, so that needs to be Hideo, recognized. Period. Hideo Kojima made a game about deliveries. But again, that's and, a dude that's going to make a game. Again, he he's not going to make a goose game. Go. That's the that's my point. Is that he's not going to make a game about a goose. He might. I wouldn't put it past. <laughs> but if he did, it would be a, a thousand hours long and very deep. Yeah, the goose would be talking. He'd be, he'd have like an existential crisis about shitting on lawns. <laughs> He'd be voiced by, um, well, God, what's his name? David Hayter. <laughs> Took a shit on the lawn. I can't imagine. Oh, my God. They're going to chase you off this lawn. They're going to throw bread at you. Bread at me. Yeah, bread. <laughs> you got to get away from them. Get away from the bread. That's what I'm saying. Get away from the bread. <laughs> I'm looking through the list of other stuff that I played last year, and I'm just wondering if there's... come back with the, with the vengeance? I was good for... Maybe they come back when you're uh, when you're lying to yourself about that <laughs> goose game should have won game of the year. Every time I lie, I get the hiccups. Look, the best. I, I'm with you when when games don't get the the credit they deserve. Like I loved. I think it was 2018. I played a game called Yoku's Island Express, and that that is probably one of the best games I've played in the last like five years. And it was some of the most ingenious mechanics. It was a cross between like a Metroidvania style game and pinball. And it was amazing. You played as a dung beetle and you were attached to this ball. So you couldn't run or jump. You couldn't jump. You just moved from place some side to side and you moved into like these pinball levels into these pinball rooms where you manipulate the flippers to get through it. And it was amazing. It was absolutely incredible. That game was nominated for like indie awards and all these other things. But I'm like, come on, that should be up there with the rest of them. But no, it didn't. Look, all I'm saying is that what makes me respect game design and game dev more than any other art form is that it really is the one art form that really can be made by almost anybody and, been, and be successful. Yeah, I'll give you that. Right? Yeah. It's like movies, right? Sure, you can sit there and make YouTube videos and make things, but you'll never be able to make any sort of medium-level 
budget film kind of on your own. Like, it's very rare. Like, what is it? The hardcore Henry movie is a perfect example, right? They made like a short, like a five-minute short. And then they make a movie, and the movie's not very good. Because making a movie like that's very hard. Where you can make a game like this with four guys, four or five guys in an independent studio, and sort of risk everything, put all of your money into this and your time, and be wildly successful. That's what makes game debt, to me, so special. And I think you have to recognize it, that that is what this industry is. It's not just a thousand people working on Madden. It's not. It's not about Call of Duty. It's not. Again, those games have their place. They make a ton of money. So you get the rewards for those games financially. But actually recognizing creativity and new ideas needs to be, needs to be rewarded. It has to be. And so I, I really enjoy the fact that they are willing to reward games like Baba is You and um, Goose Game and not just the Fire Emblems and the big games. Again, those games get recognition. Death Stranding deserves its recognition. But it doesn't, again, Goose, Goose Game is the most unique experience of a game. Like, why would you make a game about a goose? And make it really good and really creative. And it doesn't need to look like Death Stranding. It doesn't need, you know, years and years and tons of money to make it, to make it work well. So, yeah, for me, I, I, just, I really enjoy that about video games. And that's why that genre, to me, is one of those that you can really dive into. And as long as you're creative and you have a pretty good idea and it's fun to play, people respect, respect that. They don't care where the game comes from. They will not, well, I'm not playing this because it's, it's not a James Cameron, you know, directed thing. Or it's not a, it's not a Marvel, Marvel movie, so I'm not going to watch it. People will play a game, and if it's fun, it gets recognized, period. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes goose goose game definitely succeeded on its uh, on its meme factor. Not to say that Absolutely. takes away from it, but it definitely thrived. Like even before this, the game already was like making them millions of dollars. Like this was a wildly successful title, and it existed on the memes. I mean, they they did a skit with the goose and the Muppets on at the Game Awards. The goose was in a Love Muppets it. sketch. And everybody recognized all things involved. So the goose is already a star. All right. And again, I can respect the title. I, I, I liked it. I liked what I played. It just, I don't think it was for me. And maybe that's the issue. Maybe that's the problem here. I don't really know what my point is. I guess I just wanted to talk about this. We don't talk about games enough. Well, there you go. We did it. And uh, yeah, so it's cool that they're able to get, especially Australia as well, that you're able to make game design anywhere. You don't have yeah, to well, be in. Hold you don't on, have to be in. You don't have to be in any of the four major cities making movies. And don't disrespect crap. Yeah, yeah, and that truly that happens every. Yeah, and like this isn't the first Australian game. The game. No, but I, there I'm are a saying, lot of fact, talented games from, from anywhere, anywhere, anywhere. Where there's not a lot of talented video game or movie studios anywhere. Like they just don't exist. There's like six places you, you can live. You can do game dev from literally anywhere. It's cool. It's very cool. I'm open a studio in Kansas. Can. There's probably already one in Kansas. Maybe, I re- I've read one article about a guy who was trying to start a like a game uh, a game development community in like this really rural town in the Midwest, and it was just like how nothing was happening. He was gaining no traction. But the fact that everything can be done remotely and you don't need to be in any specific location to do this kind of work, that's one of the benefits. Like we talked about the physical media the fact that games can be entirely digital means there's nothing there's no barrier for entry unity is free unreal is free yep. um and 
all and there are tons of free resources to get out there and do it and create these things so um yeah and i think i have very like uh poignant i'll have in about a month or so a very poignant uh story that could actually relate to uh to this exactly but i can't talk about it at the moment so that's a little tease a little bit of a tease shout out to people doing independent game development and i'm glad that you get recognized when you do well that's it. So the Goose game deserved to be recognized. It was the game that everyone talked about, the game that a lot of people played who normally don't play video games. That, to me, makes you game of the year. Done. All right. Fair enough. Well, to, uh, to those who made the untitled Goose game, mazel tov for your achievement. You know? You earned it. But, you know. And hater, <laughs> you haters, it, but ha- wow. You earned it, but haters are going to hate. So enjoy your, enjoy your trophy. That's it. This is the end of the episode uh, for those who made it this far. Thanks for listening. Go and review us on uh, iTunes. And you know what? If you don't want to review us on iTunes, you don't have to. Just go and uh, just go and tell tell your friends about us. Tell us what we're doing. Tell them tell them we're out there fighting the good fight, and uh, and telling you about some information out there in the world that you may or may not need to know about. And we're talking about, and we may or may not be casting some shade on the Untitled Goose Game. Or at least I might be. I was about to say, we. I corrected myself. Don't worry. I got it. I got you. I got you. I got you. Until then, this podcast is over.